Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a streaming freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dazzling Duo, Derek, and myself, Mike. How's, our, how's everyone doing? How are you doing? God. We're all doing fine here. We're all doing fine. How about you? <laughs> Do we need to send? No, no, we're okay. <laughs> that whole detention center thing. I need to find that. I wish StarWars.com did not pull down their soundboard. I knew it was too good to last, but they finally pulled it down. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> it, it really does. What are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Do I have to do anything? Well, there's nothing you really can do. This is true. But well, I guess what we could do is, uh, I guess, head into our stories. For, well, no. Check out WeBeGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates. They're on the right-hand side of the website in the sidebar there. Um, we have SpeakPipe. If you want to leave us a voicemail about the show or a topic for us to discuss on a show. So you can hear your voice ask the question about the topic on the show. Cool. Um, hitting that final stretch. I'm hoping to have it done by next weekend for Labor Day. But the new store with the baseball jerseys the hats the sweatshirts the hockey jerseys coming soon very soon so now we know some people are kind of excited about it like john tyler christopher is excited about getting some wookie radio gear i don't know oh, yeah why. i don't know why <laughs> but i, w- I will say i'll say the baseball jerseys came out looking sweet Speaking of, uh, not to interrupt, but speaking of John Tyler Christensen. Christopher. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, he had, he's, he's kind of running a contest on his Twitter right now for, uh, did you see that? It's Twitter, for the, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah. For the, uh, he did a, uh, job of the hut and, and, uh, salacious crumb cover. And it's, and it's, it's a wraparound. It's a wraparound. Yep. And, uh, he's giving away one. And all you got to do is come up with a tag team of Star Wars characters. Have you come up with one yet? I did. What'd you come up with? <laughs> I put uh, Rose and Ray, and I, call, I called it the fanboy's dream. <laughs> <laughs> I went Chewbacca and Tarful, the walking carpets. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Yeah. Uh, what are some other ones we could come up with? I, I don't know. Well, we'd want to save them anyway for the contest. Go. The Ugnaughts and the Grimorian Guards, Ugh. a.k.a. in their tag team name, the Pig Vomits. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's pretty good. Not bad. I like it. Their manager is Pig Vomit from Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Stephen Amell has announced, kind of revealed, he's almost become the CW DC poster boy or voice uh, of the of the show. It's like, oh, if we want something leaked or mentioned, just give it to Steven. He'll put it out there for us. Uh, the, <laughs> it's a three-night crossover event this year. 
Yeah, I just it just now occurred to me that Legends of Tomorrow is not going to be a part of this. Yeah, so it makes Which me is a little disappointing. So it makes me wonder: Are they going to do? Are they going to do this year with Supergirl and Legends like they did last year? They might. They just might. Uh, while I'm hitting this story, see if you can find when Legends is supposed to premiere. Sure. So, but with a couple months left before our DC shows are making their fall premiere, um, Stephen Amell has revealed some details about what's going to happen in the Arrowverse this year. And of course, you know, we're always talking about the three night event or the crossover event, which last year was what crisis. Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, it was actually based around crisis. Um, before that, it. It was the musical number, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or no, that was just between Flash and Supergirl. Supergirl, yeah. But there, were, there was another, another one. Anyway, it's becoming a staple. But in December, on a special night, will be the Flash on December 9th, Sunday, December 9th. Hmm. Which, okay, so Flash for this particular week, Flash and Supergirl are swapping places. Uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, Legends of Tomorrow is starting Monday, October 22nd. So I wonder why Legends is not going to be a part of this. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, Flash, December 9th is the start of this. Arrow, December 10th. Supergirl, December 11th. Why couldn't they have just left Supergirl and Flash in their normal spots and had Supergirl started off? There's got to be a rhyme or reason. We'll find out in December, but... I'm assuming it's a story reason. It's got to be. Um, so in the past, there's um, the, the most important thing was bridging the three main shows together, Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. And in the past, there's even been a musical version of the event. So I was right. There was a musical. I don't remember mm, it being involved yes. with Arrow. It wasn't. So um, if you look in the background of the picture that Stephen Amell puts up, uh it's an interesting little logo between Arrow and Supergirl. It's a red bat signal. Mm-hmm. Things that make you go, huh? Um, so currently, the CW is developing another series. I'm hearing stuff fall around. <laughs> I'm going delusional. Um, they are developing another series based on Batwoman, which means this could be the introduction to that character, which most likely is what's going to happen. Um, and of course, I don't think we touched upon it last week. I'm only going to mention it briefly now. The fans have, I think, driven Ruby Rose off the internet. You know what? I just want to say it, but I need to make sure I'm safe before saying it. And and here we go. As far as I'm concerned, all these fans, the vocal minority, who are going around trying to be social justice warriors and anything else, who who drove off Kelly Marie Tran, drove off Daisy Ridley, caused all these other problems. I'm not going to say they've driven off a couple podcasts off the internet because, you know, sorry, those podcasts were partially be to be blamed themselves i'm not going to get we're not going to be driven off here because we really haven't done anything wrong but at this point in time i'm saying to all these fans who feel entitled and are running people off <laughs> you <laughs> enough said you guys are a bunch of indeed 
And if you don't like it, I will quote Bender from Futurama. You can bite my shiny metal ass. Well, I don't want to know why it's shiny or metal, but anyway. <laughs> Aerodynamics. <laughs> but no, uh, done, over it. I'm so sick of these people. I mean, it, it was, it, it has started with Star Wars was one of the major things that was making it ugly, rearing its ugly head. Well, actually, no. I think the first time I was hearing anything, it was DC wanting to shut down Rotten Tomato. You know, all these DC fans shutting down Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, right. Because, yeah. oh, they, they, they're getting payoffs from, from Disney. And, well, no. Look at Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman got treated right on Rotten Tomatoes. Why? Because it was an awesome film. Actually, all of the DC movies got treated right because the rest of them were not good films. They sucked. That's all I gotta say, right? Yep. They. I will add. I will say. Um, I was. I'm a little more not exactly excited about the Aquaman film, but after seeing the trailer, I'm a little more hopeful. I'm very hopeful. How odd will it be? Wonder Woman did great. I'm expecting 84 to be great. Mm. Aquaman, I think it's going to be like Ant-Man, a great surprise. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But, but yeah. Definitely look good. But yeah, for DC, the mainstay, Batman, Superman, you're tanking. You don't have a good track record. Track record was going great when you had Tim Burton with Michael Keaton. Then you decided not to bring back Tim Burton. Look where that franchise went. You bring in Christopher Nolan. First film, okay. Knocks it out of the ballpark with the second one. Batter hits a line drive right into the dirt, five feet from the batter's box. You're losing me with the sports references. Okay. <laughs> batter thinks he hit a home run and it was a swing and a miss. Ah. And he's still running the bases? Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's another? What's another? It's like a stormtrooper shooting shooting a, a red shirt in Star Trek. Ah, now you're talking. He, he misses and the red shirt still dies. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. Well, we've really veered off track here. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, Batwoman is going to be produced by Carolyn Drees, uh, who previously worked on Vampire Diaries, okay, as well as Smallville. Uh, Jeff Johns will executive produce through his Mad Ghost Productions label. Uh, he res- he recently stepped down from his high position at DC Entertainment to free himself up to work more directly on projects like this through his studio in conjunction with DC. At this point in time, Jeff, why don't you become the new Kevin Feige and fix the DC Cinematic Universe or expanded yeah, really? universe? So, uh, Stephen Amell... S- Speaking about the addition of Batwoman at San Diego CultureCon, I refuse to call it the other anymore. <laughs> but at CultureCon, um, I think it's great. The more the merrier. I've always taken a lot of pride in the fact that our show has helped, has helped, not been detrimental, but ha- but helped and lent a hand to other shows. I hope da- Dave Rappaport nails the Batwoman casting. I hope she's awesome. I hope their show does 10 years. As he's saying this, and that show is struggling to hit seven. 
Um, when asked about the crossover event, uh, he goes, we went so big with the crossover, we can't go bigger. We have to go more about the characters and the story. So, um, so yeah, it's just going to be between the three shows. No Legends, which I think I'm okay because Legends is supposed to have Constantine. Yes, that's right. And, and there's almost a crossover in its own within Legends. So Yeah, I guess so, kind of. So, uh, yeah. But, oh, wait, we have even more. Yes. Uh, in fact... <clears throat> Uh, actor Tyler Hoechlin is scheduled to reprise his role as Superman during the crossover episode. Smart move. Yes, that's going to be awesome. And not only that, but he'll be bringing along Lois Lane. Sweet. Um, yes. So according to Supergirl executive producer, producers Jessica Queller and Robert Rovner, uh, we could be more excited. We couldn't be more excited to introduce Lois Lane to the Arrowverse. This dogged, determined and brave reporter will make for a strong partner to Superman an amazing addition to our universe of DC characters. Uh, they, they haven't actually started casting for Lois Lane yet, so we don't have any details on that. But, uh, so my only question is, will Superman, since they switched up the Supergirl and Flash, does that mean Superman won't be showing up until the final episode? The Supergirl episode? I don't I, know. I, I could see that happen, but still. Yeah, but I have I have a funny feeling, though. He's gonna sh- They're going to show up in the first one, since they're all carrying through. Could be. And I wouldn't be surprised if Batwoman shows up in the first one as well. That'd be cool. Question is, uh, are they going to start off over on Supergirl's Earth first, or not move right, over until right. the last? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Let's ask Cisco. <laughs> Since he's the one who helps with that whole time portal, or uh, not time portal, that whole portal thing. He's probably not going to tell us. (laughs) Well, um, speaking of Batwoman, is now now a good time for us to take another tangent about fans? Um, I got I got nothing more to say (laughs) other than I don't consider them fans. I think I might have one more thing to say. And yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, baby, you. <laughs> that, of course, was when Channing Tatum brought Bismarcky on for Book of Love movie. <laughs> anyway, um, here's some more details about Batwoman and the subsequent TV series. Uh, it's going to take place on Earth 38, which is the home of Supergirl. Since the first time oh, Supergirl came to Earth 1 during the Invasion crossover, uh, fans have wondered when Flash and Green Arrow might make their way to her Earth so they could spend some time hanging around with Superman, the Guardian, and the rest. Mm. Wait, but I thought, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now it seems like this most likely happened as we're going to potentially see that with the crossover. Um... And it also seems more likely that Batwoman will be on Earth-38. No announcement has been made yet to what Earth Ruby Rose's Kate Kane will populate, but the evidence seems to be leaning in the direction of Earth-38, and here's why. One, Lois and and Clark. Uh, The crossover suggests that it takes place... 
that the entire cross, uh, the presence of Lois Lane and the crossover suggests the story likely takes place on Earth 38 all its own. So they leave Earth 1 and all three episodes are going to be on Earth 38, with Earth 1 being at the beginning at the end, maybe. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Two, um, it was also announced that Lois was being cast to appear opposite Tyler Hoechlin, as Derek had mentioned before. Uh, Number two, the time slots. Uh, For starters, there's no legends involved in that. Uh, For another thing, the time slots are all moved around to accommodate a three-day event that begins with Flash and ends with Supergirl. Um and the fact that this three-part story ends with Supergirl may be telling, because last year the writers worked together to craft a crossover that felt more like a three-part movie, which worked because the finale centered on the death of Martin Stein. Uh, right. Um, so uh, it could be difficult. Uh, now, why no Legends? Uh, it was re- recently announced that Legends would not be a part of the annual crossover. Uh, the first explanation has become so total, totally different than the other. Sh- or the official explanation is that Legends has become tonality-wise different from the other shows, and that it could be jarring to put those characters among the more serious Arrow and Flash characters. Hmm. Well, I, I would think I agree with that. I would think at this point in time, it's almost saying. Legends has gone off on their own so much that it wouldn't make sense for them to come in because then they could be that the cross them being a part of the crossover could be something that could quote unquote affect time that they're trying to fix. Mm. If, if I if I'm putting my thoughts out there the way I thought I was. Mm. Um, okay, this says it better than what I, than maybe the way I said it. Um, the legends also exist outside of the time stream and often make their way into stories only when they know things are dire and they could be of use. So if this is taking place on Earth 38, the legends have no way of knowing what the threat is facing down that alternate history or what they're looking at, or at least aren't looking at it. True. Which seems like a, a better answer and it helps lead lead the credibility that it is taking place on earth 38 yeah Um, disappointing now in the number four the fourth reason is the backstory in previous episodes of supergirl despite being forbidden to say his name characters have made it clear that superman finds himself working with batman from time to time uh, Gotham not only is a place on Earth 38, but has been name-checked several times. Compare that to Earth 1, where Cisco creates a flash signal inspired by uh, Gordon's visual ante summoning gigantic flashlight, a.k.a. Spotlight, and says he got the idea from a comic book. Uh, yes, it seems that there is a Gotham City on Earth 1, but it has not been referenced as it has on Supergirl, and the... The Wave Riders time traveling destination plate has been known to flip past Gotham and one of the clocks in Central Park. In Central City Picture News newsroom, uh, is also time to Gotham's time zone. So that's where that's where we're at there. And then, yeah. then there's also saying there it would not be surprising to tease some sort of uh, romance between Alex Danvers and Kate Kane. Oh, especially, interesting. Especially since one of Kate's major canonical love interests, Renee Montoya, is so tied into the Batman mythology that mm. she may not be available. Right. So, 
Um, yeah, that would make sense too. Hmm. So interesting. Indeed. Sorry. It should be fun. Had to, it should be a fun crossover. Had to throw that Star Trek reference in there. Interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Wow. It's funny you should mention Star Trek. Do we have another reference, Uncle Derek? Indeed we do. For as it was recently announced and as we actually talked about recently on this very show, uh, none other than Brent Spiner, best known as Data or Data, <laughs> for some of you people, on Star Trek The Next Generation. Or Data. <laughs> Data. Uh, was, uh, was tapped to play the vice president of the United States in season four of Supergirl. And we were all very excited for that news. Well, I hate to break it to you kids, but I'm afraid that's no longer happening. Due what? To, yes. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Brent Spiner had scheduling issues and couldn't film his episodes. Uh, and funny, oddly enough, the news came out only three weeks after his, it was first announced that he would be joining the series. So, of course... Uh, How would he not with, know he has scheduling conflicts? Uh, don't ask me. <laughs> That's above above my pay grade. But I was asking you. And <laughs> I'm telling you, it's above my pay grade. Uh, okay. However, however, the role of Vice President Baker will now be played by another uh, familiar actor to many. And that will be Bruce Boxleitner who was in Tron, Babylon 5, and NCIS, and a host of other things. That could be interesting. Could be. I like, I like, uh, I like him. He's a, good, he's a good actor. He's fun. Uh, of course, the character is still going to be an unlikely leader who will step up in a big way when his country needs him. Uh, and Boxleitner follows recent new additions to the series that include Rona Mitra as the villainous Mercy Graves, Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, Robert Baker as Mercy's brother, Otis. Sam Witwer as Agent Liberty. And Nicole Maines as television's Ooh. first. Hmm? Sam Witwer. Mm-hmm. And Nicole Maines as television's first transgender superhero dreamer. Uh, so, of course, uh, last season was all about rain and the world killers and trying to destroy the Earth. And... During that storyline, uh, Supergirl found out that her mother, Alora, was still alive and living in Argo City uh, that had survived the destruction of Krypton. And uh, by the end of it, she realized that her true home is actually on Earth. And there are some big changes taking place for her and all of her friends in National City, including uh, we saw the appearance of a doppelganger in Russia, a Supergirl doppelganger in Russia. Red son. I guess it would be red daughter in this case. Uh, so se season four promises to be full of surprises, action, adventure, and lots of big revelations. I could go a whole other direction. <clears throat> but it's a family show. Now. <laughs> it's a family show. Uh, so that's some interesting little tidbits about Supergirl. I think it'll be an interesting season. Yeah. Especially if they if they dive heavily into that <clears throat> Russian Supergirl. 
That could be interesting. I think so. We get to find out what her story is. I like it. So do I. So, well, how about this? Could be a blow, maybe, to Marvel in the MCU and a deal for Warner Brothers. But um, Jessica Jones series creator and showrunner Melissa Rosenberg is leaving after season three. Uh, She will help... finish up the final season before she goes on to a better deal over at Warner Brothers Television. Apparently, they outbid Netflix and managed to get her to work on various projects for the company with an eight-figure deal. Hey, if you're going to throw money around like that, uh, we're available. Yeah. And, and I think we might be better to help than some of the people you've already got there. <laughs> um, Hollywood Reporter reveals that Rosenberg move, moving from Netflix Warner Brothers was due to the show. Ro- ro- oh, God, can't speak due to the show runner show the show runner wanting to do something different. Her projects for Warner Brothers is not known yet as she's still focusing on finishing Jessica Jones season three, mm. which is set to premiere next year. Um, now, Netflix is going to have to replace her with a new show runner. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, assuming that the series gets renewed for a fourth season. If it does, Rosenberg will still get credit for creating the show, for crediting the show as well, um, (laughs) and will be listed as an executive producer. Uh, Rosenberg is probably why the series has been very consistent, even with the second season's pacing problems, which is not news I wanted to hear because I haven't seen second season yet. I haven't either. Now I'm scared. Actually, I just finished, finally finished The Punisher the other day. That's cool. Mm -mm, That was good. So, um, so yeah, I, I curious to know when the news breaks, what she will be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of almost hope it's not comic book related because I, I don't, I don't think they could do anything comic book related. Perhaps, perhaps. Because Gotham is rapping, and, it's, and yeah. it almost seems like they they have no other push to do anything outside of um out outside of the movies at this point. Yeah. So so we can hope it's not the end. Well, we can hope this is the end. Little- <laughs> the end, my friends. Sorry. I it's, love that movie. Like, I love that group. Yeah. It's the like, windows. Uh, Jim Morrison came back to life. And it's the windows. The dirty windows. <laughs> uh, walking <laughs> carpets. Dirty. Dirty. <clears throat> well, speaking of the end. Not the end. Boy, it's been uh it's been a quite a night for these things. Um we have another ending coming. No. Uh, yep, and uh that that'll be the end of a little show called The Big Bang Theory. See, this yeah, is this yeah. is one I've been here waiting for the fan outcry on it. Because I've been hearing, oh, Big Bang Theory. I'm not watching it because it, it's totally disgraceful and unrespectful to, to geeks and nerds. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, now they don't have to worry anymore. Um, because according to a press release from CBS, uh, they have just decided to bring Big Bang Theory to a close after its 12th series uh, season. Excuse me. I went all British here for a second, <laughs> uh, which is currently in production and will be airing soon. Yep. According to a press release from WBTV and Chuck Lorre Productions, 
they said, we are forever grateful to our fans for their support of the Big Bang Theory during the past 12 seasons. 12 seasons. That's a long time. So all of you guys who've been against Big Bang Theory, take your 12 years and... I'm sorry, your answer must be in the form of a question. But thank you for playing. <laughs> so to continue the press statement, uh, we, along with the cast, writers, and crew, are extremely appreciative of the show's success and aim to deliver a final series, a final season, excuse me, and series finale that will bring the Big Bang Theory to an epic creative close. Um, of course, there was there's been a lot of speculation, as we mentioned, among fans as to whether or not the show would continue. Uh, some thought perhaps it would go to season 13, and some believe that season 12 would be the end. And it looks like the people who bet on season 12 are the winners. Yeah, but when, when they did the whole fight for Malim Balik and Melissa Roush to get them more money... You know, they were, and it got renewed then, right before season 10. They said it was, this is going to be a three-year deal, and that was the last, and that was going to be the final deal made. So if you think about it, season 12 was already Yeah, but they hadn't, I guess they hadn't made it official, so. Yeah. So, of course, this will be season 12, the final season, and that brings the episode count up to 279 episodes. That makes The Big Bang Theory the longest-running multi-camera sitcom in television history. Why don't we just go ahead and go season 13 and take them over 300? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, during the course of its historic run, it has been nominated for 52 Emmys and has won 10 of those. Wow. Uh, and it looks like the entire cast will all be returning. And season 12 premieres on Monday, September 24th at 8 p.m. on CBS. And then uh, it will move to its regular time slot on Thursday, September twenty seventh at eight p.m. I don't know. I don't know why they feel the need to move it. Footballs Thursday night footballs on Fox now. I don't know. I don't know. It's either on Fox or NBC. So was was preventing that from happening? Unless they don't want. It. I say screw it. Compete against Thursday night football. Well, you do. It's usually only four episodes. Okay. Well, it looks like it looks like they're doing two episodes that week because they're doing one Monday the twenty fourth and then another one on Thursday the twenty seventh. I don't get it. So they want to give you more bang for your buck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's a big. So I say. Is it? It's a, that's a big theory there. <clears throat> <laughs> So, so, speculation, mm-hmm. how do you want to see this end? With them all dying. I say Penny gets pregnant with twins, <laughs> and Amy gets pregnant. <laughs> could be, could be. So. Yeah, could, uh, yeah. Well, maybe they'll have Raj actually meet a girl and get married. Nah, that yeah, won't happen. No. <laughs> I don't think so either. Mm. So, but um, it's odd that I'm doing this story. Is <laughs> the way it felt. Uh yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna take it on anyway, and feel free to correct me as as we need. Um, apparently, Spider-Man's fighting styles have been broken down in a new video. Um, Spider-Man is bringing his signature fighting techniques to the new game that comes out in a couple months. Five weeks? Three weeks? Not even. Uh, I think it's only two weeks, maybe. Two or three weeks. Two and a half weeks. So it's September 7th, so... 
Um, Polygon's Patrick Gill broke down the Spidey Menace's fighting style in a video that's titled Why Spider-Man Fights Like That. Fight Why Spider-Man Fights Like That, Fighting Styles and Games Explained. So um, this video, takes, of course, takes a look at Spider-Man. Um, and the breakdown first starts off with Capoeira, which is a fighting style that's perfectly represented in Spider-Man's fast acrobatic moves. Um, and Gil explains that Spider-Man's whole fighting style is based around the form of martial arts, with the hero always staying low and mobile while using the minimum of frequent spins to come crashing down on his enemies. Uh, from there, Spider-Man owes a portion of his moves to professional wrestling as well, specifically Lucha Libre, which mm -hmm. one of my favorite shows, which we've had Martin Casal, a.k.a. Marty the Moth, is a part <laughs> of, and that's Lucha Underground. As we're recording, that's I have that recording on the DVR. Um, but uh, if you're familiar with Spider-Man's origin story, you know he's very, well, very aware of the professional wrestling world. As that's when he first publicly displayed his power. Um, and that's when he took on, oh, yeah, Crusher Hogan, man, <laughs> um, to earn some prize money. Now, of course, with earning that prize money, um, Spider-Man does incorporate some of these pro wrestling influences into his combat, particularly from the Lucha Libre style of fighting. Um, several moves are were specifically mentioned in the video as tools that Spider-Man uses, drop salts, scissor takedowns, and the famous Poison Rana, as also known as the Huracarana. Uh, this is a move that we see Spider-Man do multiple times in the, pa in, in the past, as well as in gameplay videos. Uh, it's that Lucha Libre fighting style that allows the hero to take down enemies that are several times his size. So, a little capoeira, a little pro wrestling. Next thing I like we know, it. I like it. Next thing we know, he's going to hit Kingpin across the chest and go, woo! <laughs> so, moving right along. Well... Have we got a story for you? Oh, man. We almost this, didn't make it to show because of this. This is huge. Absolutely huge. It's huge, unlike my hands. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> no comment. Amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the Universal Classic Monsters coming to Blu-ray in a massive 30 movie set. Mm. That's right. Let's think about this. How many discs do you think it is? 132. Uh, I think that's funny. DVD, there's le there's three less DVDs than there are Blu-ray. Uh, uh, Blu-ray probably has more features. I so would hope so. 30 of the most iconic cinematic masterpieces starring the most famous monsters of horror movie history are coming together on Blu-ray for the first time ever. And the Universal Classic Monsters Complete 30 Film Collection, which comes out on August 28th from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, uh, featuring unforgettable makeup, groundbreaking special effects, and outstanding performances. It includes all the all the Universal Pictures legendary monsters wow. from the studio that pioneered the horror genre with imaginative and technically groundbreaking tales of terror in unforgettable films from the 30s to the late 50s. Did we say did we not say this was over 24 Blu-rays? Uh, I don't think we did. Uh, 
Of course, everybody knows the Universal Monsters. Uh, they are classics. Uh, and the 30 film collection will showcase all the original films featuring the most iconic monsters in motion picture history, including Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, the Bride of Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Phantom of the Opera, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Wolfman has nards. <laughs> A classic. Uh, and it stars some of the most legendary actors of all time, including Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr., Claude Rains, Elsa Link, and Elsa Link Chester, uh, in roles that they made famous. And, of course, these films set the standard for horror for years to come. Uh, the the collection includes a 48-page collectible book filled with behind-the-scenes stories and rare production photographs. Wow. And it is accompanied by an array of bonus features, including behind-the-scenes documentary, the 1931 Spanish version of Dracula, featurettes on Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr., and Jack Pierce, 13 extra expert feature commentaries, archival footage, production photographs, theatrical trailers, and more. Uh, and the complete the complete film collection includes, get ready, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Bride of Frankenstein, Werewolf of London, Dracula's Daughter, Son of Frankenstein, The Invisible Man Returns, The Invisible Woman, The Mummy's Hand, The Wolfman, The Ghost of Frankenstein, The Mummy's Ghost, the Mummy's Tomb, Invisible Agent, Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, Son of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, The Mummy's Curse, The Invisible Man's Revenge, House of Dracula, She-Wolf of London, Abbott and, Const and Costello Meet Frankenstein, Abbott and Costello Meet the Invisible Man, and Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, which also includes a 3D version. Uh, Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy, Revenge of the Creature. Creature also includes a 3D version, and the creature walks among us. Whew. And uh, the bonus features include behind-the-scenes documentaries, 3D versions of the creature from the Black Lagoon, as I said, and Revenge of the Creature, the Spanish version of Dracula, the featurettes, uh, and commentary, the footage, the production photographs, the theatrical trailers, the book, uh, a 24-disc set, and uh, some great covers on the movie boxes as well. This just in, Lucasfilm, Disney, releasing a 51 Blu-ray disc collection of Star Wars. Yeah. Just so uh, I do not see a price listed for this thing. A hundred and fifty bucks on Amazon for the Blu-ray. That, that's actually not bad considering everything you get with this thing. Okay. This this collection huh. is, it... is a monster. <laughs> that joke was horror. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Did I do that right? I'm 50. Bye bye. I'll clear. We're talking six and a quarter a disc. Really? That's not bad at all. 
six and a quarter times 24 it's 150 dollars nice so yeah so well how about this there is a new show coming called dc daily it's a new daily news show focused on all things dc and it's available uh and that was announced today uh on wednesday the 22nd it was announced uh it will be available on the dc universe service with select segments also available for viewing at no cost on additional online channels. The show, DC Daily, will offer fans entertaining news, insights, exclusive guest appearances, interviews, and panel discussions with some of the most knowledgeable voices in the DC universe. Hmm. So, for a show like this, who would you think of? Eh, wrong. You're wrong. It's not who you're thinking of. How about it's going to kick off August 29th at 4.30 Pacific Time, 7.30 Eastern, and it'll be Kevin Smith uh, will host the inaugural live streaming event and introduce the fans to the format, sets, and exclusive content that will be seen on DC Daily. You will also provide... Uh, I was totally going to say Kevin Smith. Only because you're looking at the story. <laughs> um, you will also provide fans with an in-depth look at the DC Universe digital... Subscription service. Fans can tune into the live stream at Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube to hear breaking news about the upcoming DC Universe service launch. Um, DC Daily headlines will be available to all DC fans on YouTube um, at their YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash DC, on the DC Universe service when the new service launches in fall of 2018. And DC Universe members will be able to see an exclusive expanded version of the show that provides additional content and behind-the-scenes access. DC Daily will replace DC All Access, which started back in 2013 and grew to serves a viewing audience of millions of DC fans. Uh, DC Daily will offer the DC Universe members an, an added depth of news content that ties back to the original series, comics, and community on the new service launching this fall. Um, so yeah, basically... It's going to be hosted by a variety of faces familiar to DC fans, with special guests and other co-hosts joining the cast daily. So maybe the junior janitors have a chance. <laughs> Vernon. I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe you guys get to be guest hosts over on uh, DC Daily. It's possible. Uh, currently, the DC format, DC Daily format, is scheduled to include headlines, a rundown of the daily news briefs, reports, and a single topic segment that may feature an in-depth interview or dive into an upcoming book, film, or series. Um, now with the news briefs, does that mean Batman's gone from blue to black, <clears throat> or wrong, possibly. or wrong type of briefs. <laughs> Um, there will also be a talk, uh, be talk, a panel discussion, including in-depth analysis about today's hottest topics in news. And all that's going to be exclusive to the DC universe. Uh, DC Daily will be filmed and streamed daily from an all-new, dedicated 21-square-foot set built especially for the show at Warner Brothers Digital Network Studio located in... Oh, 
beautiful Burbank, California, um, home of Laugh-In, if you listen to Gary Owens. Um, the custom design sets include original large format panel artwork of iconic DC characters, as well as plenty of conversational seating demonstration stations and stand-up viewing asset areas for host guest commentators and special guests to access. There we go. DC Universe is a uh, first-of-its-kind digital service that gives fans access to exclusive content experiences not available anywhere else so moving right along well let me say mike you look positively glowing this evening oh uh, anyway hmm? oh we are doing that one uh, no i thought yeah. we we're that we we're going musically musically it's okay no, i had it the uh, I had it the other way around. Okay, that's fine. I could have been wrong, but anyway. It's not, so, it's not worth the headlocks. <laughs> uh, so a show that I have come to really enjoy on Netflix, uh, a little show called Glow. has Great been show. Yes, has been renewed for a third season. Wow. And of course, for those who don't know. Yes, exciting. Uh, Glow tells the story of a group of women in the mid-80s who become stars on the local cable access series, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It is based on the actual real series of the same name, although I might say, I would guess, probably loosely based. Um, Loosely based. Yeah. And the news came in a tweet posted by the show's official Twitter account. In which they said, did you think we'd glow to Vegas without you? Because <laughs> at the end of season two, they moved to Vegas. Let's do this. Hashtag glow S3. Um, and star uh, Betty Gilpin uh, replied by saying, what happens in Vegas goes into your television. Season three. Glow uh, at glow Netflix, baby. Hashtag glow Netflix. So, of course, the series, which really is good. And if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend recommend it. It has received tremendous acclaim from critics and fans alike. It has gotten 10 Emmy nominations. Yep. And uh, obviously there's something special about the show and it really it really is a fun, entertaining show and I'm glad it's coming back for season three. I'm very happy about that. And uh, again, if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it, especially if you are a fan of wrestling, the 80s, or if you remember the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I'm trying to find um, how many seasons it ran. The actual gorgeous ladies of wrestling? Yeah. Um, I think it was only like three or four, something like that. If I remember from the documentary, which is also on Netflix, and also I highly recommend. Yeah, uh, but I'm not. I'm not seeing where where they're talking about. Um, I'm on Wikipedia, and no one mentions how long it, it ran for. Well, I found the official website for the original oh. Glow. Oh. Ooh. And there's Glow episode one. <laughs> you can buy actual episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I can't find information. Oh, well. Um, oh, actually, what does, does IMDb say anything? Probably not. Might. Uh, TV series, Wikipedia. Yeah. Just, wait, wait, wait. All righty. Here we go. Four seasons. So the series is almost running the same amount of time as... Yeah, as a show. Yeah, that's funny. Can it go like Mash? Uh It run longer than longer than the war existed. (laughs) So, well, uh, how about this one? Hans Zimmer is slated to return to the superhero film genre 
as yeah. uh, he's reportedly signed to score Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, Zimmer has previously scored two films, including in the, in the past for DC, that's Man of Steel and Batman Heart Superman, in which he created the iconic Wonder Woman theme. Oh, that's a good theme. Oh, yeah? Used so much that they used it in the Wonder Woman movie. Yes. So, yep, that's all I got there. It was short. Short but sweet. So, uh, I guess it's time for you to solo. Oh, that's, I see what you did there. That's a, that's a cute one there with the solo. And the, All right, well, let us venture into a little bit of uh, Star Wars information, which we might normally save for our wiki radio show, but uh, we're going to cover here. Yeah, because we got a guest this week. Indeed we do. And tell us who that guest is, Mike. Bonnie Paisi, a.k.a. Young Aunt Baru. Very nice. Make sure you tune in for that, kids. So... But in the meantime, um, so the uh, Solo, a Star Wars story novelization, uh, is a little bit that explains L337's controversial fate. And as you may recall in the movie, those of you who saw it, no comment, uh, <laughs> the droid, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, wanted to free as many droids from enslavement as she could, which ultimately caused a revolt on Kessel and also resulted in her own demise. And then Lando decided to inject her artificial mind into the Falcon's onboard computers, and uh, some people have taken issue with that decision, feeling that that was a permanent, a type of permanent enslavement without even having a body to control. Uh, so the solo novelization will offer insight into that. In an excerpt from the novel, uh, L3 had a choice to make. She could die with her final act being a liberator to all the droids on Kessel, or she could join with the Falcon, live on, and be part of something much bigger. She could save them all. Uh, in addition to her devotion to helping droids revolt, L337's other devotion was Lance. Uh, and there were a few bits of dialogue that hinted that there may have been a romantic connection between the two. Uh, the novelization notes that were she to accept her new role in life, she can sh ensure not just Lando's safety, but the entire's, entire crew's, as well as be part of the ship that meant so much to her. If you refuse, you die. He dies. The others on the ship, they all die, uh, the novel reads in a conversation between L3 and the Falcon. If you join with us, we can all we all can live. The choice is simple. So then uh, it confirms, the novel confirms that L337 accepted the new position reluctantly, and uh, noted that she had made her decision almost immediately, yet took her time accepting the, the decision. Um, so it may not, there's a chance that the, uh, that may not entirely satisfy all Star Wars fans, uh, being that there isn't more significance to her decision. But what complicates matters further is the fact that there have been no hints that Solo will be getting a sequel. So this is likely the only explanation we will ever get for L337's fate. Yeah. So the Solo, a Star Wars story novelization comes out on September 4th. Cool. Well, to 
continue on. Um, Beckett came out this week, the one shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to say briefly, StarWars.com goes in depth looking at this. And they they even put in their spoiler warning. The story contains details and plot points from Beckett number one, I guess, related to Solo. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the panels on this that they show in the book look great. Um, I don't want to get into it. Uh, go check it out on StarWars.com. Um, and you can just read the, the breakdown. Um, cause at this point in time, I don't want to spoil it since the book just came out this week. Right. So spoil it on your own if you choose to. So, but now, as this, this little pause might feel like 20 years... <laughs> Ah, yes, because we have um, some interesting rumors and possible information about the 20th anniversary of the Lego Star Wars line. Um, So, of course, the next Star Wars celebration uh, is being held in the same year that marks the 20th anniversary of the return of Star Wars to the big screen after a 16-year hiatus. Uh, with the Phantom Menace, which was a fan favorite. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, 20 years. Um, in 2019, it will be 20 years. Uh, but also celebrating the 20th year will be the Star Wars license from Lego. Uh, even though it was first announced in April of 1998, it took another year before the first uh, Lego sets came out. Um, when, and... Uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Special guests were sent an exclusive invitation to attend the trade unveiling of the upcoming line. Where was my invitation? Apparently lost in the mail with mine. Uh, apparently. So this special set, which is believed to be limited to around 500 in number, included the details to a secret gala that revealed the new first sets. Uh, in 1998, Lego announced their global license to make Star Wars construction sets and followed up with a promotional set for the 1999 International Toy Fair in New York. It was mailed out to those members of the toy industry and press who Lego wished to invite to the unveiling of their new lineup of Star Wars system sets. Those lucky enough to receive one of these found that inside the white mailer box it arrived in were Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, the first two Star Wars minifigs ever, battling out in a miniaturized version of Emperor Palpatine's throne room on the second Death Star. To add to the magic, Lego had included a microchip that played the first few bars of the main Star Wars theme. Wow. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So the first the first sets released in March of 1999, and there have been seven, nearly 700 editions, not including books, TV series, video games, and countless T-shirts. Um, to the line, yes. And the initial nine-year license that went from '99 to 2008 was later renewed to 2011, and again to two <laughs> to 2022. Uh, so, with new movies and TV series being released, there is seemingly no end in sight. And with the license's first major milestone occurring in less than a year, it's time to wonder what Lego has in store for us. Yep. Um, so, of course, Brick Fanatics have come out with a report that states that Lego may release a selection of 20th anniversary sets next year. Oh, that'd to be which cool. They said, I know. To which they said the Lego group will release a special range of sets to commemorate the two-decade-long Star Wars theme. 
as well as the usual January launch. An April wave of sets will feature special and nostalgic 20th anniversary packaging using the original Lego Star Wars logo. Each box will contain a collectible minifigure that replicates the original yellow-faced Lego Star Wars designs. The sets are expected to be based on vehicles and locations from across the saga. Uh, But keep in mind, this is all rumor at the moment, and we might not get any official word until the Toy Fair season commences. Uh, Rebel Scum is expecting the big announcement at the Nuremberg International Toy Fair, which is much favored by Lego for their biggest reveals at the end of January. Uh, so either way, since it's going to be the 20th anniversary, you know they're going to be doing something big. Either go big or go home. That's right. And with Lego, you know it's go big. <laughs> yep. So um, believe it or not, with this mega size episode, I don't think we have anything more. I don't think so. So, um, do we just go straight to final thoughts? We can do that. Okay. Any final thoughts? Yes, actually. Uh, that story I just read about Lego just reminded me of something else I saw that was pretty cool that I'll tell you about. And I'm going to drop it in the show notes so you can take a look at it afterwards. And that is uh, another Lego set that's coming out that's going to be a set of Lego Cloud of uh, Cloud City. Oh, I did see this. And it's going to be a massive 2,800 plus piece set. And looking at the pictures, it is amazing. It's gorgeous. So it officially comes in at 2,812 pieces. It even comes with Boba Fett Slave 1. It has a cloud car. And it is just amazing. And, of course, it's also priced at $350 and will be available on October 1st. But it comes with a huge assortment of mini figures, yeah. including a little Lobot, a little Ugnaught, a couple of Bestman guards, and IG-88. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's 18 minifigures. Wow. I, I don't have anything else. Me either. That's all I had. So, after a show like this, I mean, it always, any of our shows, I think it always asks, wants you to want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.